0: We're continuing a series called Crazy Faith, and uh, before we do that, I I feel awful loud. Do I sound loud to you? Yes? Turn me down a little bit. I'm not sure what happened with uh, that. That's better. Is that better? Okay. All right. So, um, let me say thank you for everybody that came over last week. Let me just, let me, before we get into our last week on Crazy Faith, let me just give you a little bit of prep for what's going to happen over the next three weeks. Um, a lot of you, if not all of you, maybe not all of you, came over to see the new place where we're going to be moving, and uh, I'm thrilled that you came to saw it. I'm thrilled with the response. I, I, I'm flabbergasted by how many of you actually watched movies in that theater. And, uh, and then, you know, when Scott starts sharing that he and Karen dated in that theater, that you know, we had to cut that off. We didn't need any more information there, but obviously that was a a successful date for Scott. And um, so we're thrilled that you came to see that. I'm also thrilled for all of you that came and were part of the prayer walk on Tuesday night at Red Bank High School. So there were about 30 people there. There was a combination of folks from Journey and some folks came from Crew that Tracy's involved with. Tracy is... Feeling led to move into Red Bank um, and uh, begin to work with their middle schoolers. So it's just a, that's a great opportunity for us to partner with her there as well. Uh, but we literally have just over three weeks—like three weeks in a day—to be out of this space. So I just want to set some expectations. Um, so the lights still going nuts. Richards disappeared. Hey, this is a dedicated person. This is how you know your worship pastor is dedicated to the task at hand. So thank you for, take, for working on that. It's not going to happen? Huh? Okay, he's going to try it. Hey, let's give Richard a hand because <clears throat> when you're not supposed to be on stage, then you don't want to be on stage. So appreciate him working that out and trying to, to figure out what's going on. If you just need to turn those off completely, if that will work, that's fine as well. Uh, we don't need those lights. I think my shirt will show up today. Um, But thank you for those of you that came out for the prayer walk. We're working with a lot of different vendors. We're moving into a much more commercialized space than what we've been in. And so we're having others come in that are going to be moving our sound and moving our lights. And uh, there we go. And (laughs) hey, you got it. If that's what you need to do. Oh, man. That it? Can you see me? That a good? That'll work. Hey, that'll work right there. I don't work right there. It's not. Whoa. Sweet. Okay. All right. Thank you for working on that. So we're going to be moving some stuff out of here. These lights, I'm telling you, they're out of here today. Good grief. Um, but. So some of this stuff's going to be moving out. You're going to have to get used to things being a little different over the next three weeks. Um, And that is so that we can be ready on September 6th to move in. You're going to see some of these lights and stuff get out of here. And the installer is going to be taking them over and setting us up so we're in a better situation than we are right now. And uh, so they're going to be taking care of that. Then we're going to start seeing sound equipment move out of here. And we're going to be bare bones probably for a couple of weeks in this room. Um, All that for the purpose of making sure everything is ready to go on September 6th at Foursquare. So we're really thrilled about that. What I'm most thrilled about is your response to the opportunity to build into that community and the number of people that we can reach out to. So some things that you can do between now and then. Number one, you know, anybody that lives within about a 50-mile radius of there or, you know, less, then invite them to be with us. Although we will be there September 6th, we're really not inviting people till September 13th because issues like that are going to happen on our first weekend. So we want to kind of work out the bugs on that first week. And then on the 13th, that's when we're going to be having the fall kickoff. We're going to have the inflatables. I don't know if we're doing the dunk booth this year or not, but uh, we're going to be doing all that fun stuff and snow cones and all that's going to be on September 13th. That's really when we would love for you to invite others to be there and to be a part of that. By next week, most of our our travelers should be back in town because I know our students are excited and pumped that this week they go back to school if they're not already in school. Yes, there's their parents clapping right there. Um, So I just want you to be prepared that you're going to see some of these glitches as we're already pulling stuff out of the system. If you'll just bear with us, it's all being... Uh, getting things ready in the new space so as soon as we're ready for your help many of you have asked how can you help Um, inviting is one way that you can help whenever we're ready to start moving stuff which is probably going to be a couple of weeks then you can help with moving stuff some of you have asked well can we contribute towards the move yes you can contribute towards the move because hiring other people to do the painting and the audio and, and lighting install and stuff it gets expensive so if you would like to donate towards that then that would be greatly appreciated. Let me ask you, if, if you designate what you're already tithing towards the building, that's not as helpful. Have you ever gone in and, and had your boss say, listen, I'm going to give you a 3% increase, but the only way we can afford it is if we dock your base pay 3%. That's kind of what happens when you take what you're normally giving and you designate it apart for something else. So if you'd like to give above and over and above your tithe for that, then that would be greatly appreciated. Um, and, and it's really, I'm just so excited about the move. I'm so excited about the new relationships we're going to have and the opportunity to really make Christ known in that area. So uh, come with us, invite, and uh, we'll kind of keep you updated as we're going. Uh, I want to, I'm going to wrap up. Our uh, series on crazy faith, and you can't really wrap up a series on crazy faith. It's the kind of thing that if you're a follower of Christ, this kind of journey lasts your entire life. To do four weeks on talking about faith in no way can do justice to all of the situations you're going to deal with through your life. So far, though, what I want you to see, because what what I often hear from people who are frustrated in their faith, is that they just don't see God working As much as they would like. Or they've been praying for something. And God is not responding. Or they've been hoping for something. And that is still not coming to pass. And so there's a a natural frustration that builds up. What am I doing wrong? What's God doing wrong? Why isn't this happening? And it can really be a frustrating situation. But what we've seen in the last three weeks. Looking at Elisha. Now if this is your first week with us. Just a quick recap. Elisha was an apprentice of elijah and elisha said if i'm going to take over being a prophet and giving the word of the lord to your people i want you to endow with me a double portion of your spirit and we find that elisha actually was he performed more documented miracles i'm not saying that no one else performed more but documented miracles in scripture than anyone saved jesus so he was a pretty incredible guy. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, some people made fun of him. Apparently he didn't have a lot of hair. And uh, he ordered some bears to come down and ate the guys making fun of him. Those of you who are follically challenged, you may want to increase your faith to deal with that. Although I don't know what I see any in the room today. Everybody's got a full head of hair, so I think we're all safe. i going back. Everybody else is looking good. We've seen over and over and over with Elisha that he performs some incredible miracles. But in the cases that we have explored, Elisha has expected people to be active in the process, sometimes as much so as God. Now, if you remember our first story when Elisha, he is the 12th plower in a row of 12 people. He's got his oxen, he's got his plow, and he's got 11 other pairs of oxen in front of him. That's his view all day, every day, as they are plowing the roads. Elijah's in a situation where he's saying, God, I'm done, I'm tired, people are trying to kill me. All of my brothers, all the other prophets that I've been with, they're all dead, and now they're trying to take my life. I'm just, I'm burned out, I'm wore out. God said, I want you to go find Elisha, and he's going to be your apprentice, and he's going to take over for you. And so that's what he did. Elijah came alongside Elisha, says he took his cloak around him, which means he brought him into his care. He was going to share everything with him, all that God had called Elijah to. Elijah was going to share with Elisha, and they walked together. And Elijah was so in on this that it said that he sacrificed his oxen, and he burned his plow so that he could burn the oxen and then he shared that with all those around he was totally in and the lesson that we saw was that sometimes if we're going to follow christ we have to burn the backup plan many of us can add jesus to our lives but to say i'm all in with you and i'm not having any other backup plan that is the beginning of crazy faith then we looked at a miracle where three kings had come together, and they were going to go to war. And on the way to war, and they thought they had these overwhelming odds, and they didn't need anybody's help until there was no water for their troops or for their livestock. And he said, I want you to go dig these cisterns, these pools. I want you to dig these trenches, these ditches that will hold the water that God is going to send. And he did not send the water until they had participated in digging. Then last week we looked at a great story of a prophet. We think the prophet Obadiah's wife and that he had passed away and prophets typically in the Old Testament didn't have much. Ministry is not, although there are exceptions to the rule, I guess, typically ministry is not a money-making proposition for most. For prophets, they usually had nothing. What they did have, they gave away, they often gave it away to other prophets in their family so that they could survive. So when Obadiah was gone wife was struggling. So she called on Elisha. Elisha said, go find every jar you can. And God did not work until she had collected all the jars. And once the jars she collected were full, God's work stopped. What we see about faith and having a crazy faith is that crazy faith requires an active involvement. For some of us, we will see great changes and the way that we live our lives, and the faith that we have when we are willing to be actively involved. Something in your background will tell you, or somebody will have preached a sermon that will say, all you got to do is pray. All you got to do is believe. There's a lot of people who have prayed, a lot of people who have believed, and there's also a lot of people who are frustrated to not see God at work because often a real crazy faith Has to be active. It's not passive. It's not just sitting around waiting. Instead, going for it. Faith that is not active isn't truly faith. Let that sink in. Faith that is not active isn't truly faith. If your faith doesn't prompt you to act on it, then it's not true faith you don't truly believe in something it may be a belief but it's not faith we read it that in james chapter 2 last week it said someone will say you have faith i have works. show me your faith apart from your works i will show you my faith by my work you believe that god is one you do well even the demons believe and shudder Do you want to be shown you foolish person that faith apart from work is useless So we have to be active in this process. There's something that feels spiritual about saying faith is about prayer. And prayer is an active part of faith. But faith is just about praying and hoping and believing. What I have found is that if you really want to follow Christ, you have to be active in letting it change the way you interact with people, with God, with your life, with everything around you. Every single day... Faith that's not active, it isn't truly faith. And if you say, well, I believe that that's true, you don't truly believe something unless that belief propels you to act on it. Think about that. I believe God. I really believe, but if that belief hasn't caused you to act in some way, you don't really believe it. One of the things we like is to eat is we, we like to go to Formosa and Little Tokyo. If you've ever been on staff or in leadership, you've at, you've had a staff meeting at some point at Little Tokyo Express. Really the food doesn't matter as long as you get the cup of the sugar sauce that they have. If you've been there, those of you who have been there know exactly what I'm talking about. But I always get a fortune cookie when I go to these places. And it's interesting on these fortune cookies, they never say anything bad like when you leave here, you will be hit by a truck. They never say that. It's never been in one I've ever seen. You know, I, I always joke about I would just I would love to see some just I would have more faith in fortune cookies if, if you got one that just said, you are screwed. I'm sorry. That's it. I mean, that would at least be a little more honest for some of us, right? But on the back, you know what's on the back of these fortunes? Bunch of numbers. Do you know what the numbers are? They're your lucky numbers. You'll put them in the lottery and you'll win big. But I've never taken those. I've never played the lottery either. But I've never taken those and thought, I have my lucky number. I'm going to go plug these in and I'm going to go buy my ticket and I'm going to win the mega millions. I'm going to be rich. I've never done that. Because I don't believe that to be true. If I believe that to be true, you better believe I'd be getting my lottery ticket and writing down my lucky number. See, when you believe something, it propels you to action. If it's not propelling you to action, you may be flirting with it, but you don't really believe it. Now, what we're going to kind of wrap up with the last miracle in this series is we're going to be looking at a pretty incredible story where... Now, Elisha has not only been the apprentice of Elijah, he now has apprentices of his own. So that's kind of how this thing propagates. Today, we kind of have a ministry track if you want to go into ministry, and it involves a college degree, and then you go into seminary, and then you go through this application process. And all. That's, that, that's a modern adaptation of how someone goes into the ministry, though many of you know you can minister without any of that. But in the Old Testament, things were passed from one person to the next. It was an apprenticeship. And so Elisha has taken on these apprentices. And in this incredible story, his his ministry is just growing like wildfire, which is really not a surprise. The guy's performing miracles all over the place. And he's got so many of these apprentices now that the shelter in which they're using to live can no longer hold them. One of the prophets is going to come up and say, "Hey, we need more space. We need a bigger house." And in the process of trying to enlarge this dwelling, this guy, this prophet, this pro- not even a prophet, this prophet in training, goes out and begins to hack away at a tree with an axe, and the axe head flies off into the river. And it's gone. We have an incredible story of Elisha letting this iron axe head float to the surface where he can get it. And we're going to see a lot of different lessons from that. But what I want you to see is that there are times, even when you are faithful, and that your faith has been growing, that you can lose that faith. Some of you know what that feels like. Some of you know what it feels like to lose something. There are all kinds of things we can lose. Some things are silly. We can't find our keys as we walk around in the house with them in our hands. you've ever gotten a text from somebody that says, man, I can't find my phone anywhere, you know that they need help. I bought a pair of sunglasses. Usually I, the sunglasses I've worn my entire life are the kind that loop around your back ear, but I got, the, I got the cool sunglasses now, you know, that are just straight, and they're no good for really anything because they just slide off your face. But now I, I just set them on top of my head, kind of like Jack Scott over here. And so I walk outside. I can't find my sunglasses anywhere, and they're sitting right on top of my head. We lose things, and they're kind of silly. Some of you have lost other things that are more important, right? I've told you the story before where I lost Jake. It wasn't really my fault. I would never admit to it. But I kind of lost Jake, and we were at the beach. We were standing on a, I don't know, we were about the 12th floor of our condo. And I was looking over, contemplating God and his greatness and his majesty and glory. And the elevator opened and all of God's greatness and glory. Jake walks in, the door shut, and the elevator goes down. I can't find him. You ever lost a kid? Listen, if you, okay, some of you have, so you feel better about yourself. Some of you think you're the worst person on the face of the planet, but you've not lost a kid yet. So you're doing okay. We can lose important stuff. So I lost Jake. We did find him, fortunately, and you know, if other family members hadn't witnessed it, Deidre would never have known about it. But it was witnessed. Like, like father, like son. So you know, we can we can we can lose things, and they're important. Sometimes it hits closer to home. We've lost loved ones, right? We've lost somebody we care about. They're no longer with us. We've lost them. Maybe it's we've lost a relationship. Somebody was important to us. Something happened. There was a conflict, or something happened between the two of you, or more of you, that you've lost a relationship, and you feel the pain of loss. We took a trip down to Atlanta last weekend. And I had gotten my wallet out to buy something at the gas station. We hit the road. We made it about 60 miles down the road. And then all of a sudden I couldn't find my wallet. Pain that goes with losing some things. Already think I'm going to have to call everybody. But fortunately it just slid in the floor. A lot of things we can lose. As a follower of Jesus. You can also lose some of your faith and intimacy with God. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hands if that has ever been you or if that is you, but I can pretty much guarantee with this many people in the room, some of you have or have done recently lost some intimacy with God. The reality is it's very easy to do that. One of the things that I've learned in years of doing ministry is for those who are most active in ministry, sometimes they are the quickest to feel like they're losing their intimacy with God. And you would think it would be the other way around. Those not involved in ministry would be the ones that would lose their faith. There are a lot of reasons for that. I, I have found through my ministry in, in the last 20 years or so, there have been times where I have been really on my game about what I'm supposed to do spiritually in front of others, but personally and intimately it's just not what's playing out in my life. No one else would know that. Because you eventually learn how to kind of do what you're supposed to do. What happens when you lose something that's important to you? What happens when you go through a period of your life that your faith is on fire and you're excited? Whenever God is right there with you, know He's real, you are alive, and not anything can happen. The possibilities are endless. And then that begins to wane. And all of a sudden, you begin questioning, wondering, was it real? Have I done something to lose this? Is God mad at me? Can I ever be that person again? We can all lose something. But do we believe that God is capable of restoring it? We're going to be looking at 2 Kings chapter 6. If you're not already there, we're going to be looking at verse 1. If you're you have a phone. You can uh, follow along on you version. You can follow along on the screen. If you need a Bible. There's some out in the hallway. Starting with verse one in chapter six. Now the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, "See the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us." Now this is where kind of the students are. It's kind of is it's kind of like their community home. They lived there with him, they watched him, he trained them, and they were kind of learning to become a prophet. They were experiencing what God was doing, and they were growing in number so that the place where they were living, it just couldn't hold them. That's a great problem to have, isn't it? It's a great problem to have when you 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 need more space to contain what God is doing. Verse 2 says, Let's go to the Jordan, and each of us get there a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he, being Elisha, answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. Let me just share a few things with you along the way in this story. you've ever been in the place where you wondered, Is God real? Is He active? Does He care about me? Is He going to do anything in my life? I really want you to pay attention to this. If you're somebody who has been there and you've experienced great things with God, but right now you feel like you're just drifting. There's a lot that you can take away from this. If you've ever looked at somebody else's life and thought, I want to be like that person, I want to I want to see what God's doing in their life, I want him to do that in my life. And this is going to be for you. If you've ever wondered why God seems to be more active in someone else's life, let me let me just take you through what has happened here, what we find often happens in those who are following Christ. Before we even get to the miracle, right at the beginning, because many of us begin to falter in our faith because we take the wrong initial steps to begin with. As we go through and look at this, one of the first things we see is that the sons of the prophets, before they do anything... now. I would not have been one of these sons of the prophet. I have a tendency to once I get an idea, I just want to go do it. And if it doesn't work out, well it didn't work out. But I just it, sometimes it's hard for me to go about all the right processes. Does anybody else struggle with that? It's not good. You need to you need to own your own business if you're gonna do that. I'll just tell you, it's not good to be employed and, and, and work that way. But I tend to have a and I have an idea and I want to go after it. I don't want to stop, I don't want to wait, I don't want to go through the process, I just want to go for it, I wanna see it, I get excited about it. Well, what we see through their lives, and we see a lot of wisdom is, number one, they proposed the work to God through Elisha first. They actually went and said, this is what we want to do. This is the need we see. We want to do this. And so they proposed it and said, hey, I believe this is a good thing. And went to God first. Many of us miss out on God's working in our lives because we go to him last, not first. We don't ever check with him to see, God, is this even on your radar? Are you even Is this even a good thing? We don't even go to him for that because it's, in our minds it's a good thing and we don't want anybody else telling us not. So it's just easier to ask forgiveness than ask permission. Many times we don't see God at work in the things that are important to us because we never went to him first to find out if he said it was valuable. So they propose the work to God. Through Elisha, remember the prophets at this time—they were kind of—they the, were not just the mouthpiece of God; they were the intermediary between them and God. And so they went to God through Elisha. What we also see is that they received approval from God through Elisha. So if you've gone through this process already, you're in pretty good shape. You've gone to God and you've gotten approval from God. Now that approval can look like a lot of different things. It can be. Uh, things fall into place. The steps fall into place and there's no explanation for it and you just think, wow, God, this has to be what you want because I just can't explain how all this is coming together. It can be a strong sense of calling where you just feel so at peace and so confident. God, I believe this is what you want. I believe that this lines up with what your word says. And for some of you, it doesn't really take a lot of prayer. God simply has said in his word... This is what I want you to be about, and that's what you decided to be about. And you automatically have God's approval because he said that's what I want you to be about. And then they didn't start work without a blessing from God through Elijah. Come with us. And Elisha went with them. They took all the right steps in the beginning. They wanted to make sure this was something that was approved by God. This was not just a good idea in their mind. Have you ever stopped in the things that you're so desperate to see God work at to ask him, does he want this? There are times in relationships, we push a relationship, we think, man, they are the greatest thing. Not a believer, but they're the greatest thing, and they're, man, they're so attractive, and they're so much fun. God, would you please just let this work out? And yet, we never went to him to say, is this a good thing to begin with? And we wonder why he doesn't respond. See, they went about the right processes to find out, is this what God wants? Before just launching out and asking God to fix something. The wonderful thing about your life today is, we don't need an Elisha for this. We don't need an intermediary anymore. When Jesus was crucified, he rose from the dead. The veil was ripped in the temple, and it signifies that God is... He is accessible to you. If you were the only person in the world, you would need no one else to go to God. Jesus is that intermediary for you. You have that opportunity. One of the realities that is hard to embrace... ...when you set out on something you believe is noble... Is that God may not be compelled to help if you were not compelled to seek Him first. For many of us, our frustrations can be summed up in this one principle. God may not be compelled to help if we were not compelled to seek Him first. We often will go to God when we need a rescue plan. but are we going to God when we need the initial plan? find that god is much more active when we've gone to him first whenever i was a whenever i was a teenager i know my kids as they're getting older they're experiencing this as well i'd like to make plans with my friends and then i kind of inform my parents because they didn't have anything else to do in life other than to take me where i wanted to go and let me do what i wanted to do right and they're going yeah we're we're tracking with you that's exactly what our parents are there for and so I'd go and say, hey, listen, we're going to go do this. they are not. What? And there's nothing worse than telling your friend you're going to come do something with them. And then all of a sudden you got to backtrack and you can't show up. Has ever happened to anybody in the room? Happened to me? I should have been compelled to talk to them first before I took it on myself to make the plan. You go to work and you decide, I'm going to... Take this huge gamble at work, and I'm not going to use our regular supplier for stuff. I'm going to go over here, and I think I can save us tons of money. And in the process, you screw up a project and lose money for your boss. They're not going to be so inclined to bail you out because you didn't seek them out first. Just act it. I think many frustrations that happen in Christians' lives today happen because they never felt compelled to seek God first. They wanted God to come alongside once they decided what they wanted to do. One of the reasons that as in this move that we're doing, it makes me so nervous, but I feel so certain that this is what God wants is because, God, if this is not what you want, this will be bad for us. But we've seen over and over assurances of god saying this is what i want you to do we just launch out without looking for god is this what you want for us and we will fail god may not be compelled to help we're not compelled to seek him first we go through the stories they're cutting down these trees what we're going to find is that he's swinging the axe and at some point, the axe head lets go, and it flings out into the Jordan River somewhere, and it's lost. I put my, kind of myself in their their shoes, and I think, man, how exciting would that be? We've got all these people that, you know, here Elijah's like, I'm done. I'm so tired. And Elisha comes along and just breathes life into this ministry and people are coming alongside of him. It's growing. It's exciting. Maybe that doesn't excite you. Maybe there's another area of ministry that excites you and you see something happening. We see baptisms happening or we see people growing or we fighting addictions or doing exciting things. And we're just excited because we're seeing some wonderful, incredible things happening around us. I can imagine for them they were excited if every swing of the axe there are some jobs that are just laborious and no fun. But if you're excited about what's going to come from it, then you can go through it. You can imagine that they were excited and they're just going away, getting the wood, dreaming about, hey, hey, what kind of rooms are we gonna have? You know, what are we gonna build here? And one of these prophets, sons of the prophets swings his axe and the axe head comes off and slings out into the Jordan River. I think Kings chapter 6, verse 6 says, or sorry, verse 5 says, But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. That's bad news. That is bad news. I, I test drove a car last fall. It was a really cool car. I was really excited about it. And uh, we were taking a shortcut um, off of Gad Road through Hickson, back behind, you know, Taco Bell and um, Ribbon Loin and all. You know that little alleyway there? As I pulled in, this young teenager, uh, you know, he, he maybe was 16. I, he was 16. He had a license. But, you know, he didn't look much older than 16. He wasn't paying attention and pulled out and ran right into the side of. I'm in a borrowed car, and I've just had a wreck. Fortunately, it wasn't my fault. That would have been worse. So I'm calling the dealer, and I'm going to tell you something. When you have to call a dealer of a car you've just borrowed to take for a test drive and tell them you've just wrecked their car, is not an exciting phone call. But they were great. Oh, don't worry about it. I, you know, I don't think he really knew. I didn't talk to the owner. <laughs> Fortunately, he wouldn't have said that. But... Uh, Borrowed things, when you damage or lose them, are worse than when they're your own. And so, what often happens, whenever you move in faith, you get excited about the things that are happening around you. And you feel like God is there, and God is just doing some awesome things. Your outlook is, is wonderful, it's beautiful. You're excited about the future. But often, our greatest times of loss... Occur during those greatest times of hopes and expectations, don't they? We're so on fire. We're so excited. Nobody's going to take us down from this. And then it happens. It often happens in your faith. And you will be challenged to stay true to the thing God has told you. Even when you're dealing with a loss. That's what happened for this guy. Axe head goes. He cries out, I've lost it and it's borrowed. There are all kinds of trials that will come into a life of faith. There will be people that you love and care about. You find central to your life that all of a sudden things will fall apart in the middle of what you believe is a great lunge into what God wants for you to be a part of. There will be all kinds of tests. That will come in these times. And there's something in us that says. If I'm doing God's will. Then I shouldn't have any problems. God should just pave the way. That's just not the way. We often see it work. Instead that's when the enemy comes. You have that Job moment. Everything's great. I've got my family. I've got everything happening. And the test comes. We see that in Jesus' life. When Jesus is baptized. And This voice from heaven comes out and says this is my son and this dove lands on his shoulder and thousands of people look it's this incredible moment and if you keep reading you find that he immediately goes to the desert and that's where he fasts and is tempted many times it's in our greatest moments of hope and expectation that we will find some of our greatest losses and your faith will be tested and you keep going Can you keep moving? A lot that we can see in this. Why in the world is this in Scripture? (laughs) So they, they had a construction accident, and so we have preserved it in the canon of Scripture for all of eternity. Why is this? Have you, when you read this stuff, we read it, we go, "Whoa, that's cool," but why is this in here? Of all the miracles that could be in here, why is this in here? So he loses an axe head. Go get another one. Pull your resources. Go get another one. But as we had seen last week. How poor the prophets were. Axe heads were really expensive. To have iron. That had been forged. Into an axe head. There are not many people that had them. That's why it was borrowed. So you can imagine having something of great value. And while we may not think an axe is all that great because if we need something done, we call somebody and they bring up, bring out the heavy moving equipment and they bring out these huge machines and these huge chainsaws and they make quick work of it. At this time, that's not the case. This was a tool for survival. Borrowed. Lost. I think one of the reasons that this is in here is because God does care about the things of your life, even what some would say are the small things of your life. God does care what's going on in your life. He does care whenever you're feeling stress and anxiety. He does care whenever you're struggling with the next step you should take. He does care when you're frustrated saying, God, why aren't you working? God does care. He cares about all the things of your life. Verse 6 says this, then the man of God, so Elisha again, said, Where did it fall? Then he showed him the place, and he cut off a stick, and he threw it in there, and it made the iron float, which is a pretty that's a pretty big deal. Pretty incredible. Now, there are some commentators that believe that what that means is that Elisha found a big branch, and he said, well, Hey, where is it at? All right, let's just see if we can fish it. Out of there. And he just drug the axe handle on to shore. But that is not what the scripture says. And that is not how God works. Threw a stick in. It floated. Now why would God choose to do that? I mean God could have just kept his hand on the axe head. So that it never flew off in the first place. Why did God. perform that miracle. Through Elisha. Here here are just four things that I think. There's more, but you know, all the time I've got. Four things. Number one, God cares about your unforeseen problems. If you feel that you're a small fish in a big pond and God doesn't even know what you're doing, that is not true. If you feel that there's nothing great, nothing grand about you that God would take notice and He would be active and a part of, that is not true. God cares about your unforeseen problems. Some of the follow-up questions to that, then for some of you that are pushed back, will say, well, why doesn't God answer my prayer? Why doesn't God fix my problem? Why doesn't God change the circumstance? Why doesn't God repair the relationship? Why doesn't God make this go away? And I, I don't really have a great answer for that. As you grow and as you mature in your faith, you're going to find that you will value what God wants to teach you even when the lessons are painful because you know that they're valuable long-term. Anytime God doesn't answer or God doesn't fix the problem because He wants you to learn a deeper lesson. Now, what I've learned about myself is that sometimes He doesn't come to my rescue because He wants me to learn not to do that again. My parents tried to teach me that lesson. It didn't completely take hold, so God has taken that over in my adult life. There are times God doesn't fix our problems because he wants us to learn not to repeat the same thing over and over again. But oftentimes that thing that we need to stop repeating is that rushing into something and then, oh, by the way, God, are you okay with this? It's not crazy faith. It's not crazy faith. That's a me-centered theology that thinks God should stop whatever he's doing and get alongside of my wisdom. My preference—that's not how it works. There's always a deeper lesson to be had if you choose to learn. It. Second thing is this: whenever he cried out and said, "I've lost it and it's borrowed," the first thing Elisha did, which I, you know, he threw a stick and it bubbled up. I kind of see a Yoda moment, you know, when he reaches out his hand and the water bubbles. And then the axe head comes up, you know, and that, that would be cool, wouldn't it? I think that's where Star Wars totally got that image, but I'm not sure. I can't I can't tell you that for sure. But what's the first thing Elisha said to him? He asked him a question. What was it? Where did it fall? Where'd you lose it? Where's the last place you saw it? What do you do whenever your kids can't find something? Where's the last place you hit? I don't know! Yeah, that's how it happens in our house. I don't know where I thought. it! in your hand, son. No, it does. that's never happened. It happens to me, it doesn't happen to them. Sometimes you just need to return to the place where you lost it. Did I lose it? Where did that relationship go astray? What went wrong? I need to go back to that point. What happened? Is there a moment of unforgiveness is there a moment of anger is there a moment of hurt where where did that happen there's a loss of intimacy with god where where did that happen when did that change occur and that may not be easy to find but what are you doing differently now than you were doing then what has changed what about your perspective your outlook on life how you make decisions the amount of time you spend in Scripture, the amount of time you spend in prayer, has that just gone by the wayside and you are wondering, God, why are we not close anymore? And yet we're not taking any steps to be active in our faith in order to pursue that relationship. Where have we lost? You know, one time we, when our kids were really young and everything was you know, grabbing a diaper bag and grabbing stuff, for, for them when we would go out, which is why most of you with young children don't go out very often. Because it's a lot of work. The time we lost our keys and we found them in the fridge. <laughs> Kids didn't put them there. I don't know why we put them there, but that's where the keys ended up. Where did you lose it? See, For some of us, we will answer most of our questions if we can answer that one. Where did I lose this? you're looking for a deeper intimacy in your marriage and you had it at one time but you don't have it anymore where did you lose it what has changed has a new relationship come into your life that's taking some attention it shouldn't and it's hurting your relationship with your spouse or did it the oftentimes we can solve some of our problems by looking at Where did we lose this thing? If at work you are constantly having conflict with people, when did the conflict start? What happened? Number three. And of course this is a huge one. The third thing we take away from this is that God does still perform miracles. Crazy faith has to believe that. We often want to hedge our bet and say, "Uh, if God wants to do this, he can. But we don't truly believe he will. Crazy faith knows that God can do anything. If God can speak the world into existence, God can do anything. If God can make iron float, God can do anything. If God can part a sea, God can do anything. If God can flood the world, God can do anything. If Jesus can die and come back to life, God can do anything. Do we believe that God can do anything? And some of us don't want to be disappointed so we've stopped believing. and we're always disappointed. God still performs incredible miracles. Talk to people who, whose lives are just they're struggling and they're falling apart. Do you believe that God can do the impossible in your life? You see, when you believe that God can do the impossible, it's amazing how many times God does the impossible. We don't believe that God is capable and He wants to. God still performs miracles. He can perform a miracle in your life. He can perform a miracle in your family. He can perform a miracle at your job. He can perform a miracle in the community. He can perform a miracle in the church. He can perform a miracle. Those who are sick and are hurting can perform a miracle. God still performs miracles. Not just the Old Testament. He still performs them. But do you believe? fourth one is this. God wants you to be active even in miracles. I don't know what has happened. A good question for us as a nation would be, where did we lose it? I think there's a general feeling amongst all people in all parties that we've lost something. Where did we lose it? That would be a good place for our presidential debate to go. Where have we lost it? Where did we move alongside? I have ideas, but this isn't a debate, so I won't share them. But where have we lost those things? One of the things I truly believe is that we have become... Such a passive people. I don't mean active like we need to go invade everyone who's different from us. But we have become passive, waiting for things to happen to us instead of us taking the reins and going after them. But you'll find some of the people who are most excited about life and most excited about what God is doing—they chose not to be passive. They chose to be active, and we see that over and over again. If this had been a Yoda moment, then we would have seen Elisha raising the axe head out of the water. And then he would have just caused it to float over and set it right down on dry land. But he didn't. Instead, he says, go get it. Raise it up. Now go get it. How many of us have been right at the cusp of experiencing a miracle, but we weren't willing to go get it? We just weren't willing. It was too much. It was too hard. God, come on, God. I mean, listen, you got the thing to float. Why do I have to get my feet wet? How many times has God brought us right to the brink, but we weren't willing to go get it? And even in the miracles, God wants us to be active. This is where our active faith grows. This is where our active faith gets excited. This is where our active faith says, let's go for it. Because we're seeing God do the miraculous and we want to be a part. Let me just remind you, if God chose not to answer and He chose not to float that axe head, sometimes it's because we were on the wrong path to begin with. God's not encouraging us to stay on. But as we saw in this story, they came to him and said, This is what we think we should do. We, believe, we see this need. Is this it? Yes. Will you go with us and be a part of this? I'm there with you. And they went to God first. For some of us, we're going to have to cut the fat, right? We're going to have to say, God never told me to do that. As much as I want it, God never told me to do that. i got to let it go. It's, you're going to feel lost there because it was important to you. You want it to happen, but God never said it was good for you. There are many things in our lives that we want to go after that are not healthy for us. For some of us we need to let those go. For some of us, God is absolutely at work, but he's waiting to see if we care enough to be active with him. If we don't care enough to be active with him, why should he be involved with that? I want you to know that God is focused on finding what is lost. If you are here today and you are struggling because you have lost something, God is focused on finding what is lost. If your marriage is struggling, God is focused on finding what is lost. If your relationship with your parents or your best friends are struggling, God is focused on finding what is lost. If you had great purpose in your life, you know where you were headed. You know what God wanted you to do. And now you're not so sure. God is focused on finding what is lost. So if you're feeling right now that you are lost in something, God is focused on finding you. Luke 15 says this, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. God loves to find what is lost. What I know to be true about human nature is that once we have lost it, we begin telling ourselves some of the most hateful, worst things we could ever say to ourselves. We don't have to have somebody else say it. They say it, we say it to ourselves. Look what you've done. You lost it. Too bad. You'll never get it back. You're a lost cause. You're hopeless. You had your chance. Over. Those thoughts go through your mind when you've lost something. That God focused Finding what is lost. You can do that in your life. I'm going to leave you with two thoughts. One for the entire series. Crazy faith is an active faith. Bottom line. Crazy faith is an active faith. The active. For some of you, an active faith looks like taking a leap in your career choice. For some of you, an active faith is taking a leap in your relationship. For some of you, an active faith is simply going back to some of the disciplines you knew to be true to lead to intimacy with God, including spending time in community with others, praying, studying, being involved in reaching out to those in need. For some of you are so gifted at relationships being able to see when someone has lost themselves and doesn't know Christ and you have an opportunity to share him with them. Maybe the next active step for you, crazy faith is active. Being active can also be fearful. I'm rejected. What if it doesn't work out? What if I try and they laugh at me? What if this doesn't work? We're great at talking ourselves out of stuff, The crazy faces and faith. And this is the question I want to leave you with, because that is our bottom line for this series. I want you to—I really want you to consider this: What do you believe so completely that you're willing to act on it today? You believe it so completely, you're willing to act on it. No guarantees. No guarantees what's gonna happen. I'm not sure how this is gonna play out, but you believe it so completely you're willing to act on it now. What what is that? For some it may be a first step in faith and knowing Christ, for others it may be in regaining those disciplines in which you were you you and God were so close and you knew it and you heard him speak in your life. It may be a change in the way you deal with people around you. It may be that the driving passion of your life needs to change. And I I won't kid you, to change a driving passion of your life is painful. Because there's a reason it's a driving passion for your life. What if it's not a good passion? What if there's a better one? What do you believe so completely that you're willing to act on it today? I'm so excited that God is willing to let us work with Him. I, it, it excites me, I don't know about you, but it excites me when God says, listen, I'm going to do my part, but I want you to have a part too because then I get to work with God. How, how exciting is that? I get to be a part of the supernatural. I get to be a part of what he's doing. That is an exciting opportunity. If you want a crazy faith, and I sure hope you do. That's what I want for my life. I'm not going to kid you and tell you that, that every day of my life is full of crazy faith. There are days that I'm not. If that's what you want, go for it. Be active in your faith. Watch God do the impossible around you. Pray. Father, God, I, I believe you're calling people here in this room to great things. And they may not believe they're capable of it. But you intend to empower them to fulfill those great things. I, I pray that you give them a confidence in your power. In what you can do, what you want to do. Father, for those that are struggling with things that are lost and believing for great things to strive for is just not on their radar. For now, the feeling of loss is too great and too painful. It just hurts too much. But, God, I know that you are a God who wants to find the loss. You want us to find what we've lost in ourselves. Father, I pray that you would be actively working to restore their faith pray that you would make the steps clear that you want them to take. Give them the courage to take them. Father, just as you have restored so many things since the beginning of creation, I pray that you would restore in them that hope and that passion. Restore for them what they have lost. For those things that can't be restored, those loved ones that have passed away or gone before us, you can restore a hope one day we can all be with you. Help us. Find what's lost. You can't pray.